Woo, Friday, Blaine and Mickey. Oh, my goodness. It's a football Friday. You probably headed to a high school game tonight. Maybe you're headed to a college game tonight, or you went to one last night because they were all over the area. Maybe you went up to the Vols game, and you watched them get a win in week one in the Josh Heupel area. If you do, I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. We'll share ours. Mike Wilson set to join us in about 20 minutes. We will talk to Mike Wilson and get his observations of last night's game. I uh, can't wait to do that. And uh, Austin P with a win locally. I think Mike is on the line. We'll get to Mike in just a minute. Mike, hold on. We haven't forgotten you. We'll get to you in just a minute. But uh, Josh Heifel in Tennessee, a win in week one, 38 to six over Bowling Green. I asked this question off the top of the show, and, and Tony, the stud, who's always real active in the zone TV chat, uh, I said, Would you sign off on winning a game by 32 points? I didn't give the score, but I said winning by 32 and rushing for 326 yards and holding the other team to just six, although that does make the math. And if you just add 32 to that, so Tony, good job breaking that code. But if you'd sign up, would you sign up for that? And I think a lot of all fans would probably think, okay, it's Bowling Green. They were terrible. That means we probably get up early and then just coast. Maybe it's 21 to nothing at the half. And, you know, you kind of coast out from there and score your 17 in the second half. Not that it was 14 to six at halftime. Alex, I think a lot of all fans would have probably signed off on that side unseen because it means you, you win and you'd see the score and you think, okay, it's not close. The defense obviously just stopped them cold. But Tony called in and said, no, man, I think they should have scored 50. They left a bunch of points on the board. There's been a lot of talk about Joe Milton. You brought up the fact that they lost the turnover battle to Bowen Green. And so I, just over the course of the show, I, I wrote this down on my notes. Just I wrote it down. You can't really see that. I can't aim this up. But I said, maybe this just says more about who the Vols are right now. Their team that it beats does. Bowling, That's their it. team that beats Bowling Green, thirty-eight to six, and they have trouble with the passing game pretty much after the first quarter of the game. Well, if you had been up seventeen to nothing at halftime, no, it would have been more than that. Twenty-four to nothing at halftime, you'd have taken that, right? Yep. And if the fourteen oh, yeah. and six had come in the second half, we wouldn't have been having a lot of this conversation. I'm yep. taking a look, as I said, to lead off the show, glass half full. It's Friday. We got one hour left, and we're getting out of here, and I'm going to have a great weekend. It's going to be a lot of football. It's going to be a lot of fun. Glass half full for the balls because I think you look at it and you see a team that was playing with joy, seemed to be well coached, seemed disciplined, uh, wasn't perfect, but you didn't expect them to be. Think of all the talent that they lost. Josh Heupel has had – been able to sign a, a shell, a couple of guys. The starting quarterback's only been in town since April. Um, and I don't even – that's just when he signed. I don't even know when he actually got there. Uh, my memory escapes me on that. Um, I think the defense is a big thing. you got to be opportunistic if you're going to play 85 points. Because somebody called into Buck's show earlier. And I turned the radio off. So that was a terrible take. And said, well, why are we playing fast all the time? You know, <laughs> why, why can't we just do that some of the time? Because sometimes it doesn't work. You have to commit to your style. You play best all the time because that's how you tire out the defense. It is a sustained 60 minutes affair. It's not as if you can just play fast and we'll dial it back and then we'll, you know, because that doesn't work. You're either all in or you're all out, but you've got to be opportunistic defensively to make that work, create some turnovers, go from there. I'll tell you one other note that I wrote down. This is just a note that I feel like needs to be said. Trayvon Flowers returned punts last night. Catch mm -hmm. the punt. Stop pointing at the ball, and if you have to run up and fair catch it, catch the ball. I bet they lost 75 yards last night 
off of the goofy punter with the rugby style kick most of the time, kicking the ball 30 yards in the air and then it bouncing 20 yards a punt. I mean, yeah. I know it's hard to get up that quickly and catch the ball, but you got to catch the ball. A, a lot of hidden yardage. It's just like when a Dory Jackson wouldn't catch him for the Titans. It kills you, costs you a first down. Over the course of a good uh, game against a good opponent, that matters. Just as an aside, since you brought that up, um, Adoree Jackson, as a punt returner, now he was injured and beat up at the end of his tenure when he was really just supposed to be a cornerback. His and on the interview- YouTube chat, we, we just found out that somebody says Joe Milton got to Knoxville in June. So even less okay. than I was saying. Sorry well, he's so big. Half of him was probably still in Michigan at that point. Half of him was in Knoxville because he's <laughs> just a giant human being. Um, but Adoree Jackson as a punt returner is one of the more disappointing things in recent Titans memory for me, because I remember sitting with Brent Doherty when they drafted him and we watched his, not his defensive highlight film. We watched his offense and, and kick and punt, well, punt return highlight mm-hmm. film from USC. And we were giddy. We were high the same thing. Other. Oh my gosh. And you thought they finally have some dynamic punt return this is going to be oh my gosh I can't wait and then by the end he was so he had been beat up so much and he'd been injured like you said he wouldn't even go catch the ball he I lost the talking. will to do it yeah he did he didn't he didn't want to be back there um and at, at the end I didn't want him back there for the last two three years nobody wanted him back there remember they just kept yeah. sticking him back there and we kept asking why is he still back there nobody could give us a good answer um this is your show too people are calling in we've had a, some great vault Vol calls today, but Mike from Clarksville on who wants to talk about the home team, Austin P. Mike, welcome to the Martin Let's State Real Estate Hotline. Yeah, big win tonight over Chattanooga. Draylon Ellis, four TD passes. Let's just let you know, I followed this team since I got out of the Marines back in 76 and moved back home. Went to Austin P. a couple of years, and then uh, now that's, that's when we were working on the championship the last time. I believe we got a championship team now. And, uh, which number 25 beat uh, number 18 for the first time we've ever beat UT Chattanooga. And that's where we, we, we were able to beat them. And I mean, beat them and look good. 1976, I think Vic Apple, my dad, was a freshman there playing for Austin P that year. He was playing for Boots Donnelly, and then he transferred to MTSU. And Boots Donnelly followed him. Uh, oh, so Boots dad, followed him and sent him following Boots. Huh? That's pretty cool. But yeah, no, that's what it was, man. I was driving all over, uh, the, yep. uh, you know, Murray and all the closer games, Bowling Green, of course, a lot of games at Austin Peay. We win, finally win the conference, and we get denied a spot. So. They look well, good. I, I don't think they're going to be denied this year. I just don't see it, buddy. They looked real good last night. Well, hey, anytime uh, you can beat somebody yeah. for the first time in your history, you line up over and over and over again to do that. And, and let me say this, and I appreciate the call. I, I, this has been a crazy summer for college athletics because we're back and we're up to our necks again in expansion talk. And, and that's that always freaks some people out. And, and we're talking about name, image, and likeness, which I'm literally doing a show from a college football press box today at Arkansas State. If you just joined us, I'm, I'm back at the mothership today doing the show sitting in the press box, looking down at the most glorious side on Butch Earth. Jones land, baby. Butch Jones. I haven't seen Butch, but I'm looking over towards where he is right now in the op center. Um, but there were a lot of people complaining, Alex, because they were saying, oh, we don't even know college football anymore. You, this is not – the conferences are so big, you can't drive to the games. And you, Well, let me tell you, it hasn't been that way in forever. 
and I'm a purist and I don't like when things change. I'm as, I, I can be as get off my yard as, you know, old guys, anybody. And, and people talking about name and image and likeness, this is going to change everything. Hasn't changed anything. Did you watch UCF last night play Boise State? Were you thinking about somebody getting $1,700 because they tweeted about Postmates? No, no yeah. one cared. They just watched the game. And if you right. truly want, if your thing is the big time is just too big time, I just don't get it. I, okay, okay. Then watch Austin P, Tennessee Tech, Tennessee State, where you can drive from. That still exists. If yeah. you want that kind of football, where you literally, you're a Murray State fan, and you know the people at, at Austin P, you know them by name. You, you know their kids because you see each other at football and basketball games. If you want that experience, it's still there. That's the beauty of college athletics. But it's there also not levels. true that you can't drive to games. What SEC game can you not drive to? <laughs> I mean, oh, unless you to... fall asleep after three hours. Well, but that's a complaint that I read from some national writer this fall that, you know, it wasn't charming anymore and the charm was gone out of it. Hey, man, get over yourself. It, it's yeah. it's it's an it, it's an industry now that makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, should the athletes share more in that? Yeah. And this name, image, and Maybe likeness, so. it, the name, image, and likeness thing doesn't give them a piece of that pie. It gives them a piece of pie that they go and get on their own. Yeah. So ultimately, we'll see how that how all that works out. But stop that with that doesn't exist anymore. It exists, and the caller uh, who was talking about going to Austin P games and going to school there, and you know having this being from that area and getting out of the Marines and that being his team. And now they've got a chance to be good again. Uh, Mike from Clarksville for all the Mike's from Clarksville who wants that experience. If that's the call, if that's the college football experience that you want, it's out there. You can go to Swanee. You can go to so many places and get that old school, small school feel of college football, whatever experience you want, it's there. It's like a buffet. Get what you want. Well, and let, let's have a little Friday therapy. Like you know, Frank Costanza would say, or George Costanza would say, Serenity now. <laughs> Serenity now. Vols fans, we have a team. They may or may not be any good this year. Probably not going to win all, all their games. You can be bad and boring with Jeremy Pruitt, but we can all take a little bit of zen and relax and put the crazy back inside of us for a couple of uh, months and appreciate a team that is at least going to look like they're probably exciting with a team that can play a little offense because you've got to give them time. The talent exodus, I would argue, well, this is a good question. Did any coach leave Knoxville in worse shape than Jeremy Pruitt left it? I think maybe when Derek Dooley left, it was worse for Butch Jones, but maybe Aye. not. Aye. Maybe not. And you've got this. I mean, who knows what's going to come with the investigation? That's a whole nother wrinkle. I'm talking about even without that, I'd have left it well, worse than ever. It's going to take some time, well, boys. Well, I mean, I, I then, like how you just casually mentioned. Well, I mean, and the investigation. <laughs> I'm just talking about the players they have <laughs> on this year's team. I know, I know, but th but then you just casually Much less the other crap. Oh, and the investigation. Yeah, I, like, I mean, oh, there's this, there's just this hey, thing. Out of sight, out of mind, Nick, this mine. is. This is Zen Alex, the Vols fan. Zen Alex, glass is half full, and I'm going to enjoy some offense. You got a cat with a sweater and a tweet telling people don't be crazy. I love it. <laughs> Ironic Alex Apple sitting in for the hitman today. We come back. Mike Wilson, all his observations from the Vols last night and today and going forward. What does he think? You can find out next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Alex Apple hanging out. It's Friday night. The weather is glorious. Well, it's not nighttime yet, but it's Friday afternoon. It might as well be Friday night. Why don't you just leave work now? You got my permission. Just go. Just start <laughs> go your week now. Just get out of there. Just get the heck out of there. And if your boss is like, what are you doing? You're like, well, first of all, I wasn't doing anything because I've been watching Blaine and Mickey on the computer for the last two hours. So, and then Buck before that, I've been on my computer all day. So I'm just going to leave because Alex Apple said I could. That's what you're supposed right, to say. Later, Mike guys. Wilson, <laughs> Mike Wilson, that doesn't apply to you, Lucas. you got to fly this plane uh, for the next few minutes. Mike Wilson, he would never leave early. He would never clock out early. He joins us at He's by great. Mike Wilson on Twitter, Knoxville News Sentinel. We're going to ask you for your observations, but we do have a caller, DJ, and this is the way we're going to do it. He's on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. We're going to let him ask the first question. So, DJ, say hello to Mike Wilson, and what's your question? Hey, Mike, how you doing there? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. By the way, I am clocked out. I just left work. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it, boss, man. Now. But what I want to ask is that last night and everything, when the when the balls were uh, doing pretty good, you know, they were good in the first quarter and everything. But when they go in these three and outs and what have you, and it's up tempo, what is going to help our defense, or what can the balls do in that situation that's going to help our defense to rest and be re- uh, ready for the SEC play or during the season? I, I mean, I'll be quiet and hang up. Yeah, that's a great question. And that, that certainly is one of the things you looked at with Josh Heupel coming in is where his defense is ranked statistically. Um, and it's hard to judge those defenses because of exactly what you're talking about. When an up-tempo offense goes three and out, it, it's usually a minute or so of possession. Then the defense is back on the field. There's not really a recipe in terms of rest and, and recuperation for that. Your best bet is depth. Um, and Tennessee has that depth on the defensive line, I think. I think they can go too deep there. I don't know they have it at linebacker. Um, I think they might have it in the secondary, but they're going to have to find out on that. But yeah, there's really no no real answer to that. Uh, when there's back-to-back three and outs, all you can really do is have depth uh, because the if you've got kind of one string of guys that can play, you're going to be in trouble uh, if those three and outs stack up, which they definitely did in the second quarter yesterday. Mike Wilson, our guest from Knoxville News Sentinel. Let me ask you this, and this is an abstract question, so you just kind of divide it up however you think. And I wrote this down without even thinking about it, but here's the question. Did you leave the game last night with more questions or more answers than you walked in with? I'd actually say about the same. Um, You know, there were a couple pleasant surprises. I thought Theo Jackson was outstanding. Um, and that secondary is a group I've wanted to see play better. Um, I thought the wide receivers didn't play as well as I would have liked to see. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be the strength of the offense, but Jalen Hyatt had a couple really bad drops. Um, they weren't helped by quarterback play, and they also in turn didn't help quarterback play. Um, so offensively, probably more questions. Defensively, I think I left with more answers. Uh, so let's split it down the middle and say I kind of left – not really knowing how much we actually know about this Tennessee team as a whole uh, after week one. Mike Wilson, our guest on Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Mike, what defensively, uh, if anything, did your mind change about last night? Uh, I brought up the fact that I thought the defense needed to be more opportunistic if you're going to play so fast, creating some quick changes, turnovers. Um and trying to give yourself an advantage even after, yes, sometimes three and outs are going to put you behind the eight ball. 
um, being opportunistic is, is really your best chance behind that. Did anything that you expected to see from the defense um, not come to fruition last night or vice versa? No, I, yeah, I, like I touched on, the secondary I thought was really good. Um, it is a group, and this, this goes for the whole defense. It's not a group that forced a lot of turnovers last season. Uh, that's definitely an area that they have to improve in. I thought the pass rush was better than I expected. Um, but then again, Bowling Green, their offensive line, I think, was largely redshirt freshmen, freshmen and sophomores. Uh, so it's hard to know exactly how good that defensive line is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they didn't have any turnovers last night. I don't believe they had an almost interception that, that got overturned. Uh, the general mm -hmm. McCullough didn't quite catch. Um, but yeah, in terms of surprises, I, I thought the secondary was really nice. Uh, Alante Taylor had a couple of really good plays. I thought Trayvon Flowers was steady. Um, that, that group was good. And that group should be the backbone of this defense. Uh, so I, I think you'd like to see them rounded out with turnovers, but I thought they played pretty darn well last night and obviously didn't allow any points uh, apart from the two field goals. And I'm not around the program close enough to know. I don't know if you are or not. It's, if it's even really within our abilities to tell how vanilla was the offense last night. I mean, for a while I could tell they were running about three plays and disguising it 12 different ways and running the same thing over and over. Uh, but do you expect to see more dynamism? Could that have contributed to why it seemed to get a little stagnant there, uh, mainly in the second quarter and a uh, piece of the second half as well? You know, Tennessee was so crisp early um, with those, you know, scripted early drives. I mean, mm -hmm. the execution was there apart from that one missed throw from Joe Milton uh, downfield to Cedric Tillman. But it, it did get kind of stagnant. I don't know if I viewed it as much with the play calling as much as I did just a, a real lack of execution in that second quarter. Um, I, I thought Milton struggled a lot in that quarter um, in terms of reading the defense and, and making the throws that were necessary. But I thought after that, it was pretty clear. Tennessee just wanted to establish the run. And I, that's going to be the offensive strength. Now it looks like, I mean, Tyon Evans looked outstanding. Um, Jabari Small yeah. did too, but I, I think Tyon Evans looked like the, the starting running back moving forward late in the season. But yeah, I just kind of looked at it as Tennessee's just kind of rolling through this game business-like at a point. Uh, I mean, they didn't really try to throw a lot in the second half. But yeah, I mean, it, it was vanilla, um, but it, I mean, you also were playing arguably the worst program uh, in, in FBS. So it was just get out the game, uh, I think, at a point. But it's a big difference, too, if Jalen Hyatt catches 50 mm -hmm. yards of passes. I mean, and even in the second quarter, the big drop that stopped the, the – really, they had one drive. And then Bowling Green puts together two six-, seven-minute drives, quarters over. They ran – what was it, Mickey? Four plays at the end. They got seven plays total in the second quarter. They really had one drive, and Jalen Hyatt yeah. drops the ball. Um, I mean, maybe that uh, makes a big difference in how we're talking about this game if that one pass is completed. I think it does. And I think, too, you look at, at the two downfield throws that Joe Milton had to Cedric Tillman. Uh, you know, he missed that one in the first quarter. They still scored on that drive, though. So you kind of say, all right, well, still scored. Uh, but the missed one later uh, where Tillman dove and just missed it, I think that was the third quarter. Um, I mean, th those plays at that point really change how you feel about this game uh, and specifically how you feel about Joe Milton. I mean, even if he converts one of those two, I think you feel a lot differently about that. But, yeah, I mean, th th there were plays right there that were left on the field, but I think what we know about this Tennessee team is they're not going to have a big margin for error in any, any game against an SEC team. Uh, I mean, you're talking Missouri, Kentucky. Like, those are the games that Tennessee has to win if they want to reach a bowl game. 
so those are plays they have to make. And, you know, they didn't make them against Bowling Green. So you, you got to kind of see that, that jump forward and see if they can make those plays moving forward with Jalen Hyatt, Joe Milton, all those guys. Uh, Mike Wilson, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. It was interesting watching Milton because I know you guys up there, Mike, you get to see some of practice and then you got to see less or however all that went down. But the one thing I kept reading was guys were talking about how like his fastball was always coming at you. Like this guy is just throwing the ball. And I was just struck by he could be standing there flat footed in the pocket and flick his wrist and throw the ball 60 yards like the rest of us might, you know, throw an orange across the room to a buddy his arm strength is phenomenal but if you look and and I had written his stats down in three years at Michigan he was 56.6 percent passer and he had one more pick I think than he did touchdown and he was kind of good with his legs at times in a lot of ways in in a big arm and in a lot of ways Mike that's kind of who he was last night he was he was who he had been Uh, and I think that's 100 percent the case the the story I wrote after the game was just, you know, you saw the tantalizing skills, but you also saw the maddening elements of, of Joe Milton. And, and that very much is his MO uh, from Michigan. I mean, you saw the arm, you saw the ability to run. Uh, you, you saw just the physical skills, but you also saw the missed throws. You also saw the moments where he starts to run probably too soon uh, instead of keeping his eyes downfield. And those were certainly some of the knocks on him uh, in leaving Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, I think we saw a lot of the same skills. The question I've had all along and and what I still feel isn't answered is, is this offense more conducive to make him a better quarterback uh, than what he was running up at Michigan, where there's more under center, uh, much more pro style with what Jim Harbaugh does, whereas this offense kind of breaks it down a little bit more simply to left, right. You kind of have an easier time reading it and, and getting the ball out. But I thought last night Joe Milton didn't get the ball out, instead ended up sitting in the pocket. Whether that's patience or not seeing the play, uh, it's hard to know at this point. But, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that he kind of might be what he is, but you got to figure out a way to work within the offense with him. Well, that's what you're paying him to do, right? You want a duplication of the Lane Kiffin effort when he turned Jonathan Crompton into Mm. not a total waste of our time and a really good quarterback. (laughs) You turned him into straight out of Crompton, yeah. Yeah, and Mickey, I think we've got some callers on the line too. Um, I want to give them a chance. Uh, sure, Chris from Chris from Murfreesboro. I, I, Mike, people just want to talk to you. We can't keep you from your popular public. guy. You know, there's a very for everything. Hey, no, man, you're very popular in Nashville, whether you know it or not. Good, and even in Murfreesboro, because that's where Chris is calling from with a question for Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Oh, going great. Uh, got to go to the game last night. Uh, Everything was good. We came out the win. But my question was, and we kept talking about with the vanilla offense, do you think any of that had to do with maybe just trying not to put a lot out there on film for when it comes time to play the SEC opponents? Yeah, I've never bought too heavily into, into that theory. Uh, I mean, people know what Josh Heupel's offense is. They, they can pull up years prior of what UCF has done. Obviously, different players, different skill sets you've got here, but I mean, to, to some extent, that offense is always going to look like what it is. Because, uh, I mean, teams, when you play these teams early in the season, they go back and look at years prior. They, they scout two, three years back. They've got game film on this. They kind of know what you're going to do. Uh, I mean, the SEC people, too, uh, I mean, th- they can look back and see what Josh Heupel's done. They saw him at Mizzou. I mean, they've got a pretty good grasp of what he is. So, 
I think there's always an element of not putting a ton on film, but I don't know that I buy too extremely into that because uh, these guys are paid a lot of money to know what teams are going to do and, and what they're going to look like later in the season. How much more fun is Heupel's program going to be to cover than Jeremy Pruitt's? <laughs> Regardless of what their wow. record is. <laughs> that laughter. Uh, there's definitely a different air uh, in being around the program is the way that I'll say that. Uh, there's just, I mean, you've, in going to practices, you kind of feel a different attitude. Um, I don't know if there was a seriousness uh, being around everything with, with the Pruitt regime and the practices. And not to say there's not a seriousness with Josh Heupel, but it, it feels like the players are enjoying being on the field more. Uh, and that's definitely more enjoyable uh, as a journalist to, to be around when it seems like the people you're talking to are enjoying themselves. Uh, opposed to just kind of being slogged down and and going through it. Mike, one thing that stood out to me, and I've seen this and we've all seen it, when a new coach or maybe a new play caller comes in and they want to show you how smart they are. And that that's a tale as old as time. I don't care what level of football. Sometimes a guy's going to force his system so hard and you think, gosh, if you just do this, the one thing that I liked most about last night was they took the second half kickoff and they ran the ball eight times and they ran it right down their throat because there were a bunch of people freaking out at halftime because it was 14 to six. He didn't panic. He didn't try to show everybody how smart he was. They ran the ball eight times right at Bowling Green and scored a touchdown in what a minute and 40 seconds or something. And that's been a misconception around Heupel's offense is that it's all pass all the time. Right. They will run the ball. Uh, they did that at UCF. He, he did that at Missouri, too. Um, and it's clear that Tennessee has two very capable running backs in Tyon Evans and Jabari Small. Both of them had 116 yards last night. Both had a touchdown. Uh, that, that, that was impressive. Uh, and th that, again, is something that, that people have to realize about Heupel's offenses. They're going to get the ball to their skill players no matter what position it is. And it's clear that Tennessee has some options at running back. Uh, and, you know, small started last night. Evans got more run as the game went on. Uh, but Tennessee having both those options is really interesting because you saw Eric Gray and Ty Chandler leave. And those are two very talented players. And yet Tennessee seems like they might be fine uh, at running back despite those guys being gone. Uh, Mike, Mike Wilson with us from the next one. Central. I was thinking as I was sort of processing the game last night, and I've come off of this thought a little bit that that might've been a 52 point game. They scored 52 points. All of us are calling in today, talking about how much fun it is to watch the ball. So there's a major difference between 38 and 52, just from a mental standpoint. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm thinking the difference between this output and the 52 point output might just be that Tennessee's playmakers on the outside, mainly at receiver, just are kind of mediocre, not really game breaking talents. And maybe that makes Joe Milton look the way he does the offense look the way he does. And that's just going to be a fact of life this year. I mean, in watching these receivers, hearing about them in practice, getting a vibe from them in fall camp, do my expectations or what I'm describing live up to what you think of them? Well, you got to take into account that Jimmy Callaway is a guy they expect to play a key role this year. He didn't play last night. Bayless Jones has been kind of limited through camp. He didn't really play last night. Yeah. Those are two of their top six receivers. So it's hard to know exactly what that group looks like, but Jalen Hyatt should be the game breaking guy in that group. And he had a couple key drops as we've touched on, but on the other end too, 
Cedric Tillman had, should have had three touchdowns yesterday. Uh, I mean, there were two that were missed there. And we are talking about, I mean, if, if those two touchdowns are converted, they're in the 40s, if not the 50s. And at, at that point, you do feel a lot differently about this. But they also were a great setter Tillman catch in the fourth quarter away from this only being a 31 to six win. Yeah. So you kind of got to take it, take it both ways there. I do think the wide receivers are talented, though. I do think that's a group that should make more plays. They whiffed last night, though, and that was a combination of quarterback play, and that was a combination of some drops and some guys being out. Uh, so I guess we can't really make a full judgment on that group yet uh, until we probably see Bayless Jones get full, full run and also see Jimmy Callaway in there because that was a guy who maybe, as much as anyone, uh, got a lot of good buzz uh, during the preseason. Mike, what's your biggest concern with Pittsburgh coming in? I, I think that is a fantastic test for this team to, to get Bowling Green first. He was terrible last year. So that'd be like playing a team of your twos and your threes if you're Tennessee. So you basically have to have a great scrimmage against twos and threes who were trying to beat you with different coaches. But you're going to get Pittsburgh. They're probably pretty darn even with you right now. That's a fantastic test coming up. What are your biggest concerns with the Panthers? Yeah, the concern is exactly the, the offensive execution for Tennessee because Pat Narduzzi is a defensive guy. Uh, yeah. Covered him for two years at Michigan State, and th- those defenses were absolutely insane. Uh, what he's able to do, he's, he's a great defensive mind. Uh, they typically are very good in the secondary, and, and that's exactly where Tennessee struggled uh, against Bowling Green. So you're facing a defense with more of a pulse, for starters, uh, that, that might actually be, be a reliable unit. Uh, and, and right away, Tennessee's got to get those points that they didn't get against Bowling Green. Uh, the places that the execution was bad, the margin for error is much different uh, now against Pitt. So, yeah, it would definitely focus on, on the passing game uh, going up against a, a really good defensive staff. And looking forward, it's not really, if they can beat Pittsburgh, out of the question that if you can play with Missouri and South Carolina – you're in four of the five games that you start with. You might be four and one. It is. It's, it's conceivable. That, that Florida game, obviously, going down there and the end of September is rough. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Pitt is the first game on this schedule that has to go Tennessee's way if they're going to reach a bowl game this season. I mean, this, this is one of those ones you look at. I think you look at Missouri and Kentucky as the other two. That Those are those swing games where Tennessee has to find a way. Uh, and you have to avoid – losing to South Carolina and Vanderbilt because uh, those realistically should be the, the lowest two SEC teams this season uh, that Tennessee faces. So, yeah, but yeah, Pitt right away is a game that you say, all right, you're either looking at a, maybe a three and two start or a two and three start or a potential four and one start. And, and that's a huge difference. Once you get into that meat of the SEC schedule uh, to already have four wins under your belt. Absolutely, Mike. Great stuff. Uh, at by Mike Wilson on Twitter. Of course, anywhere people want to consume the Knoxville News Sentinel, they need to do so. Always great catching up with you, man. Have a uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy a Saturday of not covering college football. Enjoy it. I am just sad I'm not in Jonesboro, Mickey. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Because I would show you what a great time this place is. It's the Caribbean of Northeast Arkansas. Thank you, Mike. Thank y'all for having me. Yes, sir, Mike Wilson. On the way out, when we come back, we do this every Friday at 245. We're going to call our shot. You've got a shot that you want to call. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline's open. 615-737-1045. Could be Tennessee-related. Could be Milton-related. Guess what? There's a full slate of college games this weekend. Maybe it's related to one of those games, whatever it is. Maybe it's Titans-related. They haven't talked to a lot of Titans today. Maybe you want to work some of that in. 
It's all up to you. Call your shot next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Appreciate Alex Apple just jumping into this rascal and just making it happen. Man, you can't um, ask for two better days to do it. Vols preview, Vols recap. My honor, Mickey. I asked this question on Blaine and Mickey. We'll, we'll call our shot. You want to sneak one in, you can do 615-737-1045. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. I asked this question on Blaine and Mickey. Vols fans with one game in the books. How are you feeling about the team? 4.6% feeling great. I put the old fist bump emoji there. <laughs> 52.5% feeling okay. That's the majority. And that's like a shrug emoji. I'm feeling okay. Not so good. I don't even know what this emoji means, but it's just some funny eyeballs on a little yellow face. 34.6% not so good. And then I use the sick emoji, and that's 8.3%. So if you look at this thing on a bell curve, it's just basically just – it's the perfect bell curve. Okay. The people okay. who are like, everything's great because there's always that guy. And then I feel sick because there's always that guy. And it's about, you know, that's the smaller amount. And most everybody else, just like on every political matter, on everything Stick that comes it in up the, in the meaty world, part of the curve. That's, that's where we're sitting for everybody. So I think people want to see more. And I'm sure I'll say this again during this week. And we'll call our shot in a minute. Um, that's where the Pittsburgh game comes in. Because what what did what did Mike Wilson say? Pat Narduzzi doesn't have any doesn't have a token defense, something along those lines. That all, and Blaine has said this too, and he loves college football. He said Pittsburgh's going to bring a defense. A defense is going to get off the bus, and they're going to try to whip your butt. They were a top forty defense last year. Rashad Weaver is on the Titans now, and they had other yeah, they NFL had two type good talent. pass rushers. Yeah. Yep. So, obviously, they lost some talent because one of those dudes is, is playing for the Titans now. But Narduzzi always seems to get the most out of his defense. Pittsburgh, uh, traditionally, maybe not a powerhouse, but always a good team. And they'll get off the bus and they'll try to beat you. So, how much better can the Vols get in a week offensively? And as you said, this is a great point, can they kind of ratchet things up on defense? I know they held Bowling Green to six points. Can they take the ball away? Can they create more havoc? Mm -hmm. I'm even fine with giving up more yards now, maybe not against yeah. Bowling Green, but yeah, against Pittsburgh. Sure. As long as you are able to create some opportunistic plays and make it easy on your offense once or twice. I know they've got a good system, but I guarantee you Josh Heupel would not like to not have to go 70 to 80 yards every drive, you know, give them a short field once or twice. It's really the opportunity that you're giving the offense to push their score from 38 to 50. I mean, that's how you get that done until Tennessee starts to get great playmakers in that, you know, just are, are going to score 50 for being out on the field. Um, I think you look at the Johnny Majors Bowl, longtime Tennessee fans will get that, the Johnny Majors Bowl as the perfect test between SEC play and Bowling Green. Pittsburgh's yep. nothing to write home about, but it's going to be a great barometer for the balls. And Mike Wilson said it, you want to get to a bowl game, six, seven wins, you better win that one. Well, with Tennessee Tech, too, no matter what happens, you've got a chance to kind of lick your wounds. And certainly, you, know, you don't look ahead of anybody, but you, you can look ahead of them. The schedule really has worked out great for Tennessee to start the season. It's, a, it's a, the best schedule they've had. They don't have the murderer's row of five games in October this year, um, which is a real blessing. It could be four and one. You play really well, you'd be four and one. No doubt about it. 
Tennessee Tech before Florida is huge because, again, it kind of gives you a chance to work on Florida because you ought to just be able to line up and beat Tennessee Tech. So the scheduling coach, uh, thumbs up to the scheduling coach. All right, time to call our shot. Lucas Panzica is standing by the microphone. He is just flexing. Uh, he's doing some side straddle hops. He's got his game face on. I feel like we should just let him <laughs> roll with this. Uh, Lucas is ready to just Let's fire this it. thing off like a, like a Joe Milton 10-yard pass that could go 80 yards. What you got, Lucas? Uh, it's a twofer on what is a big, yeah on what's a big weekend in Nissan Stadium before the Titans kick off against Arizona. Nashville SC tonight against New York City FC. I think it's a draw. Nashville losing a lot of guys to World Cup qualifiers. I think they play out a scoreless one-one type of draw, and then USA wins against Canada on Sunday. The whole squad is here. Christian Pulisic training at Lipscomb. I think as Ooh. we speak, he's been here all week. He should be in action on Sunday. Hopefully he will be. But I think USA gets the win against Canada, and it should be a fun environment. Eat it, Canada. All right, Alex Apple. (laughs) In the back bacon bowl. Yeah, Monday is Labor Day. I'll be on with Lucas from 11 to 2. Buck will be out looking for a pool in a cabana somewhere probably. Um, I'm going to talk a little Vanderbilt just to give them an homage. I really like Clark Lee. I like Barton Simmons, NBA guys. I'm partial, go big red. But I think Vanderbilt's going to break the 10-game win streak. The last time they won a game, they played ETSU. Well, they got ETSU back this weekend, ETSU 21-point dogs. I actually bet ETSU might cover. I'm not sure about the Vanderbilt offense. I know Clark Lee can coach defense. Offense is a total mystery. Give me ETSU to cover Vanderbilt to get off the schneid, though, and I'll see Lucas on Monday. Here's mine. JT Daniels must have MF everybody on the staff last year. Because why did he not play sooner for Georgia? That is I mean, a great did, question. Was he dating the coach's daughter or something? Like, what in the world? <laughs> it was a knee done? injury, but nobody expected it to hold him out that long. That was well, a suspect knee injury right there. Come on, man. I mean, I think JT Daniels is going to be the real difference. Well, he needs to be. He needs to play winning football for them. But what, it's two and a half points they've got with Clemson. I think it's two and a half on FanDuel right now. Um, I like Georgia to beat them. And here's the thing. If wow. you're Georgia, you, you, you need to beat them. Beat them. Go beat Clemson. It's first game of the year. This is your opportunity. Just go out and yeah. maul them like a bear Huge or a chance. dog in this case. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's my shot. I think I would have gone Clemson. I like that, though. I mean, it's going to be a great weekend. I can't wait to just plop down and watch a little football. I actually can't wait for the weekend after this. We have to tighten up, maybe. All right. Let me show everybody where I am one last time. I'm at the mothership. Tonight is the Hall of Honor banquet. We've got friends going to the Hall of Fame tomorrow. A State on the field. Hey, everybody, enjoy your weekend. You got college football. You got 3HL coming up next. Happy Friday to you. And in honor of my friend Blaine and Alex Apple, I will tell you peace. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody.